happened to me a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, and I'm sure it's happened to you. You ever been in a conversation with somebody, and then um, it's just the two of you, and then other people join it, and all of a sudden the circle forms? And then the conversation takes a turn. Like, it, it kind of pivots, it shifts to a topic that you know nothing about. You're having your one-on-one with someone and you're like, yes, I'm in this. I'm locked in and other people join it. They're like, yeah, that's my experience too. And then the group grows and then all of a sudden you're talking about something that you have no idea what to talk about. But you're sitting there going, yeah, no, yeah. Oh, me too. Yeah. Uh-huh. And the whole time you're just praying and thinking to yourself, dear Lord, please don't let them ask me my opinion on whatever the thing is, right? How many of you just out of curiosity? Christmas time is perfect for this. If you have like an office Christmas party or maybe, um, you, you know, a phone call with relatives or, or they're at your house or whatever the case, um, it's an awkward situation. You're like, what do I do? What do I do? And uh, I'll be honest, since we're all friends here and it's church, you sort of have to be honest, right? It's, it's the rules. Uh, I'll share two, two spots where this happens to me. Um, since I've been here in Linden, right? So coming up on a year and a couple months. But I, I find myself, there's always two topics that come up that didn't really come up when I was in California. So uh, the first one is this. It's, it's cars. I'm not a car guy. I bought a truck about a year ago and people are like, oh, well, how many horsepower is it? I'm like, I, I never popped the hood to look to see how many horses are there. I have, I have no idea. <laughs> the, the long pedal, the long skinny pedal on the right makes it go vroom. And the short, fat one on the left makes it stop. And that's pretty much all I need. Like, well, a truck, you got a tow hitch with that? And, you know, how many tons does it carry? A lot of them. I, I have no idea. I, I do not know. Don't, you know, we don't ask me about it. I like cars. They're fun, especially when they work. And when they don't work, I take them to someone else who knows how to fix cars. And they do it. So, but I, in Linden, like, we talk about trucks. That's the thing we do here. And then, and I'll be honest, uh, this one, I'd be pretty vulnerable with this one here. Um, this happens a lot. I find myself in, in these types of conversations where we talk about um, gun and ammo sizes. Okay, okay, so I'm from California, right? It takes like 27 forms and 14 years for a background check to clear. So like, I don't... My dad was a cop, right? So I know what a nine millimeter is because it's nine millimeter. Are you with me? But like, what's a 30-0-8 like I, or six? I, I don't know. I don't know what 30 aughts is, let alone six of them or eight of them. I, I don't know. But same thing with guns. Like, you don't look at them, right? You point them downrange, and when you pull the trigger, they go boom. And if they don't go boom, you've got problems. So this... This is all I know. So I'm more than happy to talk about guns. I think they're fascinating. Ammo and like what type of casing? I have no idea. Metal, I would assume, right? Um, but when you pull the trigger, they should go boom. And when you step on the gas, your car should go vroom. And that's about all I know. So, but I find myself having these conversations because I'm new around here. You know, I'm still trying to learn. But uh, I, and I'm willing to bet like you've had some of these conversations as well. Maybe it's not cars, it's not guns or whatever. But um, around this time of year, Everyone seems to have a unique family tradition that's normal to them. And it's not necessarily normal to other people. So what, what you grew up with and what you've experienced and you're like, yeah, we always do eggnog and apple cider and then light the tree on a Thursday. It's just what we do. That's normal to you. It might not be normal to the next person. And it's new to them and they just don't know it because we just think, well, if it's normal to us, it must be normal to everyone. And that's not always the case. And it's even, so you throw church on top of it. And if you grew up in church, you have an advantage, right? Like this stuff has been part of your routine as you grew up. But if you're new to church within the last couple years, uh, the learning curve is pretty steep. 
And we do some things, we, we celebrate some things that if we're honest, we might not know technically what we're, what they really mean, what the definitions are. Um, I'll give you an example of this. In the church world, there are two areas that are like, they're big, big celebrations, okay? Um, the first one is Easter, and the second one is Christmas. So let's talk about Easter for a moment. Um, on Easter, we celebrate Good Friday, right? And then we have Easter Sunday, right? What happened to Saturday? Does anyone know what Saturday's called? Exactly. My point is, okay, so we don't know. Do we silent Saturday? Do we just not, do we sleep in? What do we do? So Saturday is actually, it's Holy Saturday. There's a handful of different names. You can Google it, but it's Holy Saturday. I didn't know. You learn something new in church. And on top of it, Easter gets even more complicated because we have this thing called Monday, Thursday. And I always wanted to go, why are they saying Monday so weird? And what happened, what happened to Tuesday and Wednesday? Monday. No, no, Monday. 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 Like, it's a very weird, it's a very weird thing. Now, I'm not going to tell you what it is, because your homework assignment this week is to go home and Google it. Those of you streaming right now, you're going to Google it and figure it out before everybody else. But for the rest of us, don't do it right now. Wait till the sermon's done, and then just go Google it and figure out what it is. So that's the Easter category, right? And then we have Christmas. And in Christmas, and specifically in North County, well, in other churches throughout the world, um, but we're walking through a season, a celebration of Advent. Does anyone know what Advent means? I heard it. There was one. First service, it was dead quiet. So, hey, good job, good job. But, okay, so true story. Uh, We're in a staff meeting, and uh, it happened to me. And we're planning. We're like, okay, what are we going to do during Advent? And we're sitting there, and everyone's going around the circle sharing. And I'm like, okay, please don't ask my opinion. Please don't ask my opinion. Because I I wasn't horribly familiar with Advent. We didn't grow up with it. It's just we celebrated Christmas, and we did all the things. But we didn't have the Advent vocabulary so it just wasn't, we didn't light the candles. It wasn't part of uh, my experience growing up. And so it's kind of new to me. Like, and I know what Advent means. It's like, you know, you celebrate Jesus. Because it's, it's Christmas and he, like that's, it's Advent, you know, it's, it's Jesus. But if you were ever confused or unclear on what Advent is, I, I want to walk us through a couple definitions, okay? So no shame if you didn't know what Holy Saturday was. No shame. Don't be embarrassed at all if you don't know what Advent is or any of this. Um, I want to set a level playing field for everybody, okay? This is an all-skate. So if you know, great. And if you're new at this, great. Come on out on the rink. It'll be fun for all ages, okay? So what is Advent? Here it is. We'll put it up on the screen for you. Advent is the period of four Sundays and weeks before Christmas, or sometimes from the first December to Christmas Day. Advent means coming in Latin. This is the coming of Jesus into the world. Clear? A modern day, like non-church example would be this. Um, do you remember when people used to line up around the building for the, the new release of the iPhone? Do you remember when that was a thing? Okay. I know you didn't do it, right? You had better things to do. I'm sorry if you were waited around on the... Okay. But we would line up, and what people were doing is they were celebrating or waiting for the coming of the new iPhone. It was their advent of the new iPhone that they were waiting for, okay? Same thing that churches and Christians are doing throughout the world. We're celebrating the coming of Jesus Christ, specifically our Lord and Savior, the Messiah, the Christ, to be born here on earth. Which brings me to another question. Does anyone know what the word Messiah means? No shame. No shame. We'll explain it. The Messiah is a savior to a particular people group, a.k.a. Jesus, all of humanity, right? That's the people group, every single human being. In our case, Jesus is the savior. He's the Messiah, and he's saving humanity from 
their sins, from our sins, from their sins, from the sins of the world. This is the Messiah. We also call him the Christ. Christ is not Jesus's last name. It's a title. And it is the Greek word for Messiah. You learned something in church today. I had to look all this stuff up because I'm like, I am the Messiah, the Christ, you, you know, Jesus. Baby Jesus, that's what we celebrate. It's great, it's great, it's great. But here's why I'm kind of joking and making light of some of this stuff. Um, This is one of the most important things that has ever happened in the history of the world. And throughout the world, you have Christians that are gathering. and, And I want us to all be crystal clear on what we're actually celebrating. Because, because what has happened on Christmas that we celebrate, the birth of Jesus Christ has revolutionized the world. And I don't want it to simply be just a, a endless, uh, meaningless ritual that happens every single year that we go through. What, what has happened, the birth of Jesus Christ, is so profound. I don't want us to miss it. And all too often, if you're like me, you can get caught up in the lights and in the, the eggnog and in the presents and Amazon. You know, it was supposed to be two-day prime and now it's five days and ah, and all the hang-up and, and Christmas Eve services and Christmas concerts. And all of these things are good things, but they're not what we're actually celebrating. Are you with me? We're, we're celebrating the Messiah. So we, we have to be crystal clear on this stuff. So that's why I wanted to take a minute and just walk through it. And if you don't know what these terms are, like I said... No shame. We're all learning. We're all learning. So we'll have these conversations and we'll figure these things out. Now, as Kurt mentioned, we're talking about in Advent week, week three, and that is the shepherds. It's the shepherds experience. It's their, um, it, it's, it's what they, it's their, what's the word I'm looking for? It's their, uh, uh, it's their experience and their journey to follow Jesus or to find Jesus. Excuse me. They're trying to find baby Jesus. And it's interesting, as Kurt talked about earlier, uh, shepherds are the lowest of the low. Social standing and, you know, they might be outranked by lepers and, and tax collectors, but it's a close fight. You know what I mean? They're just the lowest of the low. And it's funny. Have you ever thought, you ever thought that sometimes God picks all the wrong people to experience all the honor and the cool things in the Bible? Like the shepherds, they're nobodies. You wouldn't pick them if you were making this story. Mary is an unwed teenage girl to give birth to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Like if I was making it up, Jesus would be, uh, he'd be born in a castle. Uh, his parents would have some sort of royalty. There would be, um, I, you know, everyone who is anyone would be there. You know what I mean? There would be a tremendous credibility to this. He wouldn't be born in a barn, which we romanticize and make it a manger scene. And in the manger, it, it, it's a trough that animals eat food out of. This is, you talk about humble beginnings. This is humble beginnings. What does that say about the Messiah? It's, see, if I were writing the story, and thank God I'm not, but if I were writing the story, Jesus would be hard to get to. But I didn't write the story. He's, he's in a barn. And, and shepherds, the marginalized, the outcasts from society, they find him. They interact with, excuse me, with baby Jesus. What, what does that say about the Messiah? It means that he came for everyone, not the elite and not the outcast. Everyone. And I, I think that is so profound. And the shepherds, the shepherds, 
to experience one of the, I think, the greatest honors that you could ever experience, and it is seeing baby Jesus. So with, with all that in mind, if you have a Bible, open it up to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to jump in. We'll pick it up in verse 8. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. It says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. And we would be too. Make no mistake, we would be too. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Why? Because they were terrified. He said, Relax. Don't be afraid. I bring you Good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, which is Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you. He is the, there's our word, Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then suddenly it gets better. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Can you, can you imagine? You're shepherds. You're doing your thing. You're with the sheep. You're with people. And an angel appears. And you're terrified. Because we would be terrified. I mean, get the image. And then he gives you a message. He says, hey, calm down. Relax. Don't worry about it. We're okay. And then I, I got some good news for you. The Messiah. It's happening. And then suddenly, boom, all heaven opens up. It all breaks loose and they're glorifying and they're praising God. You'd be equally terrified. This would be incredible. And they say, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And then verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, just that blows my mind. The shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. I imagine that was not the first thing that they said when all, you know, heaven and they just went away and it was done. I imagine they looked at each other and go, did you see that? Like, did that just happen? Pinch me. Like, did, was that real? Did that just happen? With one angels and then all heaven breaks loose and ah, glory and praise and honor. Is this real? And then they, once they realize that this is in fact real, this isn't just, you know, a dream. They're not asleep or anything like that. It's, whoa, we just experienced something miraculous. Let's go do what the angel told us to do. And that's what they're doing. So if you have notes, open up your notes, because what I'm going to walk us through is a rhythm that I think will benefit us this Advent season as we approach Christmas Day. And so the first one is this. This is a rhythm to practice during Advent. Number one is find the baby. We're going to take our cue from the shepherd's story. Find the baby. That's the first thing. The shepherds are doing their thing, right? They're doing their job. It's what they do. Shepherds are shepherding. And then all of a sudden an angel appears and says, the Messiah is born. I want you to go and go see it. Well, how do we know where it is? Well, it's in the the town of David. It's the city of Bethlehem. It's there. Well, how are we going to find the shepherd? Or how are we going to find the baby Jesus? And they're like, well, look in the nativity scene. Well, there's a lot of nativity scenes. How are we going to find him? This is the only one with a baby in it. Well, angel, do you think we could get a really cool star and we could follow that? Just go to Bethlehem and find the trough that the baby is in. You'll be fine. Like, okay, let's go do that. And then they go do it. It's very important. They find the baby. They find the baby. It's very, very important. Verse 16. So once they found the baby, verse 16. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Here we go. Verse 17. When they had seen him, they spread the word... You need to circle 
underline, highlight, smiley face, check mark, whatever you got to do, arrows, whatever it is. Spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. So you get the story. They're doing their job. An angel appears to them. They now go off on this mission to find baby Jesus. They find baby Jesus and then they go off and they spread the word. Number two in your notes, share the experience with others. Once they found the baby, they shared it with other people. It's a weird experience. And I imagine for you and I, if we were to go and share our experience with Jesus with other people, they might look at us and go, that's weird. Nonetheless, it is our experience. When you experience something miraculous, it is out of the ordinary, by definition. And they follow through. Verse 18, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. They shared their story, their miraculous story. They shared their experience with other people, and other people were amazed by it. Why? Part of it is because since the last book of the Old Testament to where we are in Luke chapter 2, there was a period of about 400 years where it seemed that God was silent. Now, he was still there. He was still moving and doing what God does. But there, we, we don't have, there aren't any books in between there. That we didn't have like prophets rise up and we don't have that recorded in our scriptures. So there's this waiting period and then all of a sudden you pick shepherds to go tell other people about the story. And God does not ride in on this white horse and make this big deal. Humble beginnings. And he's a baby. It's an amazing story. It's an amazing story. And if they just told the story and they're like, well, we were out in our fields and then an angel showed up and said, we should go see the Messiah. And we saw the Messiah. And then now we're just telling you about it. That's a boring story. But I'm willing to bet they didn't tell it that way. Are you with me? They probably like, you've got to hear this. We were doing our thing. And you know, this land, this mm, is the problem one. Gary's the worst, right? Always trying to bring him back with everybody. Else. Come on, Gary. And then boom, bright light, angel, probably long hair. I don't know, whatever they pick in the cartoons. But this angel appeared and we were terrified. And the angel knew we were terrified. That's why the first thing he said was, don't be afraid. And we thought, whoo, I was afraid, but now I'm good. And they say, the Messiah that you've been hearing the story about for years and 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 years, and years it's happened. He's here. And we thought, oh man, where? He's going to be in the palace. And they go, no, 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 no. In a manger. This is an incredible story. And it demands an incredible response. The shepherds are, are shepherds. They're not professional storytellers. They're the lowest of the low. But they have a story that is so amazing that other people noticed it and went, that's amazing. That's incredible. Okay, keep going. Luke 2, verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, not to baby Jesus, to their ordinary normal day, to their jobs, to what they were doing before. But listen, listen. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as the angel had been told. Or just that they had been told, excuse me. So number three, the last one in your notes, return to normal life, glorifying and praising God. It's that simple. Return to normal life, glorifying and praising God. After they had experienced all of this, after they went and they saw Jesus, just picture it, the Messiah 
as a baby. Just imagine that for a moment. That's incredible. When they were done, they went back to the previous way of life, to what they were doing, but glorifying God and praising God. There had been a change. They, they were responding. They, they didn't revolutionize their life. No, 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 no. They went back to what they were doing, but their approach was different. They were praising and they were glorifying. So back to the beginning of this message. Um, does anyone know the difference between praising and glorifying? I didn't. I had to look it up. Do you realize that we have praise music, but we don't have glory music? Ever think about that for a moment? Like, whoa, crazy. So here it is, praise. Um, praise is, spe- and I'm going to oversimplify just for the sake of our time here. Praising is um, speaking highly and well of something or someone. In our case, Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ. Glory is acting in a way that something or someone is best. It, it is, it's supreme. It's ultimate. By, by definition, if Jesus is best, everything else is secondary. So, so what they're doing is, um, as they're, they're shepherding, as they're hanging out with the sheep and they come in contact with anyone, they are praising the goodness of God with their mouth, but they are acting in such a way that the way they live and the decisions they make and how they carry themselves brings glory to God. It's as if their life reinforces what their mouth declares. That's the praise. That's the glory. It's a wonderful combination. So get, get the three, the three steps here. They find the baby. They have an experience and they share it with other people. They don't revolutionize their life. They go back to their way of life. They have a job on Monday morning. Boom, they're, they're back there with the sheep. But their approach, their lifestyle at the job is totally different. They're, they're praising God, which is what we do on Sundays, right? And on Monday morning, they're glorifying them with the way they live their life. Don't, don't miss it. It's so, so profound. Now, Here's the deal. The application is going to be very, very simple for us. Are you ready? There's going to be three more points for this. They're all the same as the first three. Um, so here's what I want us to do this Advent season. Here's what I want us to do. Um, I want us to find the baby. And here's what I mean by this. I, I, I don't know what your Christmas season and tradition is like, but I've experienced 30 Christmases in my life. You've probably experienced... 30 Christmases in your life, maybe more, maybe less. Um, but they can be defined by, uh, because I work at the church, they can be defined by Christmas services and events, um, shopping, the stress of trying to buy all the gifts and get them delivered on time, um, just being tired, looking at all the lights on the houses or on the parades or, or, or whatever, right? Going and doing all of these things. And then I've checked them off my list and I go, we had a good Christmas. And I go, yay, 2021. Yay, it's so much better in 2020. Like, and, and, and I missed it. I, I don't know about you, but I want, I want this one, especially 2020, I want this one to be different. Are you with me? Like, I, I don't need just another Christmas meal. I've had a lot of them. I, I don't, honestly, I don't need more presents. Now, if you want to give me something, I'll gladly take it. That's not what I'm saying. But I, are you with me? Like, I, the things I need, I have. But what, what I need is to have a response that the shepherds had this Christmas season. And, and I'm willing to bet you do too. And when I come in contact with Jesus, 
and I, I find him. I mean, I don't go through like, you, you know, I don't find him in a Christmas service. Like I, I, we have a one-on-one, me and God, me and Jesus. We're like, we're there and we're connecting. When I find that, that, that changes my Christmas. That changes it. Because I've had an experience with the Messiah. And after I have my experience with the Messiah, this Christmas, I want to talk about it. I want to share it with other people. And so maybe for you, maybe for you this Christmas, we sit down at the dinner table with your family and instead of talking about how the day was and what do you want for Christmas and did you make your list, what if we just shared our, our testimony? What if we shared our experience with Jesus and we just went around the table? Even if you don't have people that follow Jesus, that's great. They can hear from you and maybe they can be amazed because this is a gift. The Messiah is a gift for the whole world and it's going to bring joy for all the people. So maybe they can hear it and they can share their story and they may not believe in Jesus. That's great. Share your story. There was a time in my life where I didn't believe in Jesus either. We have something in common, but now I do. And I can tell you he's radically changed my life. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, I have a boring testimony. Um, no, you don't. I, I jokingly say, you know, my dad was on the elder board and my mom was working in the office doing graphic design and putting together bulletins and, and all that. And I joked that, you know, I was born on a Friday and then Sunday was around and boom, I was in the nursery. Like I just, I grew up in church. That's what I did. I, you know, went to school, graduated, went to a Christian university, right? Studying to become a pastor. Like I, I lived in the church culture. I lived it. And if that's the story I tell people, that is boring. It's a boring story. But when I say um, that following Jesus has given me purpose beyond anything I could ever come up with, that's an interesting story. When I can say that um, I, growing up I, I had tremendous anger issues, and the teachings of love your enemies and love your neighbor as Jesus has loved you has really, really helped me. Um, I... I'm much quicker to forgive because Jesus has modeled that for me. He's taught me how to do that. I'm not great at it, but I'm quicker to do it. Um, I can also admit that I'm wrong. I I can ask for forgiveness. I can say, I'm sorry. Just ask my wife. I mean, we fought this morning (laughs) and I'm quick to go. I I was wrong. I was totally wrong. 100% I was wrong. But do you know what that has done to my marriage to be able to stand in front of her, in front of all of you and say, I fought with my wife this morning and I apologize and I owned up that I was 100% wrong? That's from Jesus. I, I met, I found the baby. And he has radically transformed my life. I'm a better person because of my contact with Jesus. My anxiety and my fear is significantly lower because I've learned to trust Jesus. We sing a song in in kids' church. He's got the whole world in his hands, and I believe it. And I'm trying to live my life that way. And so what what does it look like for you? What's it look like for us as the church? This Advent season, we take our cue from the shepherds, and we find baby Jesus in a new way. Not in an endless ritual, but in a new and profound way. And we share our story with other people. And they are amazed by it. And then listen, listen. We go back to life as it is on Monday. Praising with our mouths and glorifying with the way we live our life. 
How, how profound. And I need this this Christmas. You need this this Christmas. And our world needs this. So imagine for a quick, quick second. I'm, I'm almost done. Imagine if we all did this just this week. Imagine if we all did this. We all gathered around the dinner table. And we, we shared. Some of you, you don't know the story of, of your siblings. It's your brother. It's your sister. You don't know how they came to Jesus. Jesus is the one threat. He unites all of us. That's the one thing we have in common. Every relationship can be built on that. That's our common ground. That's where we start. And you might not even know their story. What a wonderful opportunity. We should dedicate a whole month around the birth of Jesus and have conversations about this. Oh, wait, we have. We should do this. But you, you can hear, you can ask questions. And every time I share my story and every time I hear someone else share their story, every time I find some piece of common ground. It, it unites us. I have more compassion. I have a better understanding of who you are and your journey. And, and likewise, vice versa. What, what would it look like? If just this week we shared our story and then when we were at work, whether it's in the office or in like the basement or the guest room or wherever, our lives this week, we were praising Jesus and glorifying him. I'm willing to bet people would be amazed and it would bring joy to all the people. So Lord, would you help us this week? As your church, we rally, we gather, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. But Father, may that revolutionize, may that change and transform our lives. As we end Sunday, we move into Monday and the rest of the week, Father, may we find, may we find you in the mundane tasks. And I pray, Lord, that we would praise you in those. And we would glorify you in those. And Father, may we live in such a way that people ask, why? And God, we have a story to tell in that moment. And I pray, Lord, that we would share stories, whether you have a dramatic story of being incredibly lost and Jesus found you, or you kind of grew up in church. Father, whatever the situation, whatever the circumstances, would we communicate our story in such a way that people are amazed Because, Father, truth be told, we were all lost. And you found us. Like the shepherds, Father, you have left the 99 in pursuit of the one. And at a point in my life, I was that sheep. I was that one. And you came and you found me. It is the greatest story ever told. And, Father, this season, would your people, would your church be so quick to share that story? And would you get all the honor and all the glory and all the praise? And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Hey, would you stand up with me? We're going to respond in singing one last song.